All right, guys, what is the crack? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I am here with my good friend and head coach, Mr. Brian O'Hengisa. Brian, how's it going? You know, what's up, man? Uh, it is going reasonably well. Uh, like I was saying to you, a little bit of a malaise or feeling somewhat unwell this week. I'm not sure why exactly, but, uh, you know, just a reminder of how good things usually are, let's say, mm-hmm. and yourself. I am also feeling that it must be something to do with working in the nutrition field. We're all just, <laughs> we're all just afflicted with this sense of uh, low energy or something. I don't know. Maybe the nutrition gods are like smiting us on this date. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we. Have you, did you uh, listen to those Quack Asylum episodes of the Signal podcast? Yeah, I was just. I was. Just, I was listening to the second one. Uh, on, I was driving home from. Uh, I was doing a bit of shopping earlier, and I was driving home, and I heard. Uh, I was just listening to the the second one. I've, I only got to. I haven't got to Paul Saladino yet, but the Michael Greer oh. bit is just. Yeah, <laughs> so far it's been pretty funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No. Just because you mentioned nutrition gods, there's there's a reference to deities in the Paul Saladino section, which you may have seen already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that just, maybe we're just, we're not praying to that deity who grants people, you know, a sea of fat as, yeah. as he describes it. Um, I wish you would see a fat. Oh man. So funny. So depressing though as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, was, I was talking to Danny about that. Like it's just the reach that these morons have is, uh, like, yeah, it's fine. It's all fine and well for me you need to laugh at it. But then there is a serious side to it, obviously, where people mm. follow their advice and, uh, you know, in some cases literally die as a result. Because I think Alan had it on a story there um, at the weekend. Did you see that? Or maybe it was a few days ago. About, uh, I did, yeah. But a guy messaged him. It was his brother was really deep into like carnivore low carb. And he took a heart attack or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Mm. So, yeah, kind of dismissed the medical imperative and just stuck with the, the pseudoscientific nutrition approach, um, you know, which is why it's important to censor these kind of people. And because it's not just like harmless, like, haha, that guy's talking absolute rubbish. And mm. it's all, and like me and you can see that. Um, but people obviously like these, these people have huge followings and then people, implement their protocols and like in, in the first um in the first quack quack asylum episode they did so that was the second one that we're talking about there but the uh there was one i can't remember who it was but one guy essentially essentially saying fasting is the cure to cancer mm. um and his protocol was to eat one meal a day but every week fast for 48 hours but every month fast for seven days Right. So when you actually work it out, it, your man is saying each 17 meals a month yeah. and that'll protect you from cancer or cure you of cancer. Yeah, it's just like, well, I said, I said this to Danny as well. I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to have issues with cancer because you'll be dead long before that can set in with this fucking seven, 17 meals a month protocol. Anyway, um, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this podcast is not a podcast review podcast. A podcast within a podcast within a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not we're not about that. Like we have value to offer on our own right. So yeah. let us actually do that. What are we talking about today? You know. So today we're going to 
talk a little bit about the, I suppose, characteristics of different coaching clients and some of the things that we have identified, some of the things that we see as good qualities in someone that is successful in the coaching process and gets really good results and also maintains those results. And there's lots of different there's lots of, lots of different aspects to that. And I suppose we're just going to soundboard off each other. Um, you have a particular way that you want to, you want to do this. So if you want to <laughs> explain that, um, yeah. go ahead. Sure thing. Right. So yeah, I was saying this being off air before we started that, I think it would be fun to do it. So people listening, most of them should know what cranium is. I know you didn't know what cranium was, um, I think most people, we can poll this actually. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah. can put this, we, you can put this up as a poll and say, you know, who knows what Cranium is. It was a board game. You know, you've likely played it at many a Christmas. Um, obviously, you don't have Christmas in the north where you are. No, but... no, no. Can't be, can't be having that. Like, <laughs> too much stuff uh, to take end of Christmas, man. <laughs> so, there's, I think it's in Cranium anyway. I could actually absolutely have this wrong, but there's like a word association question that can come up so you and your team have to write down three things based on a you know so if i say to you beach right and that's the question then me and the rest of we and the team have to write down three things associated with that so you you know you might write down sand and the sea and the sun or something like that and it's where they match up um you have to match up at least two out of three i think it is to score the points um so i was going to say yeah let's Let's throw that out there. Let's see what we each have. We've already written this stuff down in advance. But we don't know what each other has written. So um, if I throw out, like, let's say, you know, negative traits. I mean, these will kind of flow back and forth together. Like what's, if we say something that's negative, then it'll be very obvious what's positive and we'll talk around both. But let's just say that, um, you know, negative traits that we see in, in coaching clients uh, that may hinder their success, you know. So, what what are the the main things that come up as difficulties? That's how we're going to frame it. So, whatever we've written down, um, let's get them all out first, and then we can discuss. So, mm-hmm. I'll you go first, then I'll say one, and then how many do you've written down first of all? How many things have I wrote my notes? Yeah. Um. I have one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. I just have eight, eight things wrote down there. So, okay, sweet. Um, then it'll be more of a case of you go, I go, and then you go a lot more times than me because <laughs> I didn't write down as many things. So anyway, uh, you go first. What's uh, pick something off your list? Then I will pick something off my list, and then we'll actually dig into these a little bit more. Okay, so let me see. I'll just pick a random one here. Um, Imagine you're playing the game. You know, so yeah. if you're trying, I've I've got three, right? So let's see if you can match up mm. with what we've got. So one of the things I've wrote down is a lot of clients have unhelpful beliefs around food, exercise, body image, and themselves. What are some of those unhelpful beliefs that you see in in clients commonly? Um. Yeah. Okay. So that, I mean, that's how you phrased it. Hmm. Well, I just I, I just wrote, wrote down unhelpful beliefs. So, okay, so we we'll chat about this now then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Cool. Um, unhelpful beliefs then in that context are usually, I suppose it tends on towards perfectionism, right? That they have these beliefs that essentially you, you have to get everything perfect in terms of your ducks in a row relating to nutrition and training and health and whatever else. And that anything less than that is not sufficient to actually get the results that you want, which then turns back on people because they set themselves up essentially to fail constantly and then they give up and they feel bad about themselves while they're failing even though they're not actually but like that is where the actual belief comes in right mm -hmm. so did you, do you want me to go now uh well do you end up, you want to add to that yeah i think uh, the perfectionism one is 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 a very common one um, it kind of fits into the all or nothing mindset that people have where it's like if i'm not perfect then i may as well just say fuck it and just throw in the towel and stop going to the gym and go back to to poor habits so that's that's certainly a big one it's probably i'd say it's it's probably the most common one would you say that yeah yeah i think so and i suppose it's the belief it comes down to the beliefs of what's required to get the results that they're looking for mm. which is usually less i suppose than what people maybe think initially mm -hmm. but they need to have a lot more consistency than i suppose they are under the impression that they need yeah um so yeah, rather think, than being, uh, sorry go ahead i was going to say rather than being you know perfect which which they won't be in the first place but rather than being perfect for six weeks and letting that be that it's more like being pretty good for you know 12 weeks or more mm is really what's going to uh, get you to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, John Brardy has a good quote. Um, I think I think I brought him up in the last podcast as well. If you can't tell, I like John Brardy, but <laughs> um, he has a good you quote. You like a few, uh, J a few JBs. <laughs> JBP as well. Um, yeah. He has a good quote that kind of summarizes that really nicely in that when it comes to achieving the goal that you want, typically speaking, it's going to take a lot longer than what most people expect or want, but it's usually going to be a lot easier than you think, especially if you have obviously some good practices in place and, you know, you kind of avoid a lot of these common traps that people fall into in terms of being mad perfectionist yeah. on things and being hyper-restrictive it's usually if if you have a lot of the good a lot of the good practices in place in terms of things like flexible dieting, smart nutrition programming, good habits that actually fit into your lifestyle. If you have a lot of these things in place, a lot of your goals, a lot of goals that people want to achieve, they usually are not as challenging as people initially think. It's like, oh my god, this is going to be so difficult. It's usually not the case, but it usually does take longer than than what most people want. So yeah yeah i mean that's a conversation i have with a lot of clients like when, when they get to essentially the point we want them to get to in terms of their you know systems and structure and their actual habits that they have in place like you know they're essentially you know we, we always talk about ticking the boxes so when they get to this point where they're ticking the boxes you know and they might ask me you know brian what what do we need to change um and the answer is you just need more passage of time uh 
and that is literally it like it's 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 uh, this conversation was gonna be today in a check-in it's like and the way she put it was like yeah i think i just need to rinse and repeat for the next week and the week after that and the week after that and that is essentially what it boils down to you know building people to that point where they have all all those things in order and then just letting it run um yeah. and that essentially takes care of business mm-hmm. for sure totally agree with that right um okay so i will throw one of these out there that wasn't on my list but it is obviously a very good one um and you know i was trying i was trying to think of no actually forget that yeah uh let's continue on um all right one that i will throw in here so mine it mine i have a like a common theme but i have broken them down into different specific points uh, but you'll be able to see what the theme is uh, as we talk about it but anyway not checking in on quote-unquote bad weeks is one of mine yeah so i suppose this actually kind of links in with the perfectionism that we talked about i suppose sometimes clients feel like there is a sense of embarrassment sometimes there is a sense of I have failed my coach. There is a sense that, well, there is nothing salvageable from this week to be taken whatsoever. So I'm just not going to check in. And this is problematic. And I suppose it does link into the more generalized topic that we brought up in the last one, which is unhelpful beliefs. That in itself is an unhelpful belief in that you don't feel like you want to or should check in with your coach if you've had a quote unquote bad week, you know? Um, and the thing about coaching is I would actually, I would actually almost say brain that we're when someone, when someone chooses to invest in coaching with us, say for example, I actually think that they're going to get way more bang for their buck out of the bad weeks in terms of a coaching process with us than the good weeks. Because as you said there a second ago, the good week is, you know, it's like, right, you've done, you've smashed it, your behaviors and your habits that you're supposed to be, um, that are supposed to be in line with your goals. You're doing really well there. Your your calories and macros are on point. You're sleeping really well. Your recovery is good. Your, your stress management is good. Your time management is good. That's all great. But if you take, for example, a client that maybe, has a quote unquote bad week. Whenever you check in, the check in process and the conversation that you have with your coach is trying to work you through that bad week and try and potentially see some positives. And if there maybe is not that many positives, trying to see what can be done to move you towards a positive week the following week, you know? Exactly, man. Like those weeks that are quote-unquote bad like we won't class them as being bad right that's that's no client terminology we they are weak and things happen and that's it and Mm -hmm. that is part in itself you know of the coaching process where you know something i often say to my clients is you know there are no mistakes there are only learning opportunities and if you don't check in and can't have that conversation like you're saying then it's harder to elucidate what the actual teaching points are of that week um because yeah the you know the, those are the weeks where it pays to have a coach it's not the weeks where you check in and you say yeah everything went great again this week dean um you know everything's gone as planned i'll chat to you next week 
like there's very little for you or I to do in that situation. Obviously, obviously we're helping the person get to that point. Um, and the guidance and the accountability is valuable. But the real value is in us being problem solvers and helping people overcome those difficulties that inevitably characterize and classify a, ba- a so-called bad week. So that's where we justify our fees, essentially, is there are those bad weeks. And, you know, obviously, we, like, we want the weeks, like we just described, where there's not much to say. That was another phrase I used earlier with, with that check-in. It was like, okay, well, in this business, no news is good news, generally. It's mm-hmm. like, not much to say this week? All right. Spectacular. Let's do it again. Um, and that's, that's good. That's what we're aiming at. Um, but you know, obviously it doesn't require a huge amount of input from us. So like once you get someone to that point and they're rolling, you know, I always compare it to the uh, monorail episode of the Simpsons where uh, Leonard Nimoy is like, well, I guess my work here is done. <laughs> and then, and then Barney says, to him, was like, what do you mean? You didn't do anything. And then he says, didn't I? And then kind of fades. <laughs> fades so that's what it's like to be a coach sometimes because essentially the person is is doing the things we are just offering guidance and counsel and helping them through those tough weeks uh when they arise not if they arise when they arise yeah yeah life always life always throws curve curveballs like i i would say probably between I would say one in 10 people would get through a 12-week coaching block with me and not have at least one sort of a stumbling block along the way. Like there's very, very few people are lucky enough to actually get through a three-month period or a six-month period and not have some, basically, some sort of shit hit the fan, basically, you know? Um like there's always some sort of an injury. There's always some sort of a grievance. Like uh, me and Brian was talking off air there. Um, you know, there's people we were just talking about kind of uh, people passing away and kind of the mortality of things on that end. You know, you're never going to get through uh, a length of time without some sort of problem occurring or something that you didn't expect happen. You know, and, and, and I suppose this is one of the reasons why flexible guidelines are so much better for you than rigid guidelines. Because if there's no, if you're just like in this, if you're on this diet that has no wiggle room whatsoever for, say, in a, in a positive sense, social occasions and parties and different things like that, or in a, in a more negative sense, something happening in your family or you get injured or something like that, if there's no flexibility in the system, it's just going to crumble. It's totally useless. And this is why the flexible systems work so well. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of a little bit of a tangent, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I often use this analogy where, you know, to borrow from Nassim Taleb, is like we're trying to help people to become anti-fragile where, mm. you know, they can actually respond favorably to chaos, essentially. Whereas, as you yeah. described there, a system that is so rigid that when it's put under any stress, it just breaks and falls apart. It's fragile. That's not what we want. Um, okay. Next one, Dino. Okay. My turn. Um, okay. 
So this is, I suppose, mine are a bit more general. I think your yours are a little bit more like specific, whereas mine are a little bit more general. Um, mm-hmm. But let's take this one for example. Um, when we're talking about a client and their general lifestyle and their general environment, how does that setup affect their ability to to get the results that they want? Yeah, so you're going to be the sum of all the things that you do essentially on a regular basis, right? And then your environment is going to play a huge role in what you do on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis. You know, so like if you, and and this, this is like your working environment, this is your home environment, this is your, your social circles, the people you have close relationships with, um, as well as like food environments and things like that. So, you know, uh, simple examples of this, like this is especially prevalent at Christmas time, like where office workers potentially have, you know, tubs of celebrations and things on the desk all the time in, in line of sight all the time, every day for that like month or maybe even two months. Um, so that's an example of like both working environment and, and food environment. You know, if your partner doesn't care so much about maybe their health habits or their lifestyle, or even if they do care, but they, you know, you're a small female and they're a big guy. So they have a lot more leeway in terms of how much they can eat. They may be a little bit more loose with their food choices, you know, want to get more takeaways, more pizzas and things like that. You know, that forces you then to have to make more decisions around that sort of thing versus people who are more synced up in that context. Um, the, you know, your, your, your job to an extent that comes back to work environment as well. But like, you know, if you are a DJ, for example, um, or, you know, you're a bartender in a nightclub, like obviously that doesn't lend itself to, you know, excellent sleep hygiene, let's say, or just, you know, shift work in general, you know, there's, there's more challenges and difficulties um, in that sense. So all of those environmental factors influence what you do um and can make it harder to do the things you want to do and and easier to do the things you don't want to do so if you're trying to break habits you know habits are very much a a function of our environment in which you find ourselves uh you know we've talked about this before um we just talk about a lot in general because it's very very important so you have to i suppose audit to a certain extent, these different environmental situations and see, hey, how can I make these more compatible with what I'm trying to achieve and and with my goals? And so that maybe just having like an open conversation with with people in your life is like, hey, I'm trying to do this. Uh, These are the ways you can help me, you know, rather than saying nothing and then letting it get to a head and then, you know, flipping out at somebody like, and then you don't actually have a productive discussion. Like it doesn't have to be this big deal. Um, there's only going to be a certain amount you can control, obviously, you know, you can't say, you know, we need to just keep all treats out of the house. You know, if you're living in like a shared accommodation or something, that's obviously not going to be practical. Um, but it is worth looking at all these different factors and saying, okay, what are my foundational 
behaviors that I'm trying to engage in, what ones am I trying to engage in less and how supportive is my environment of those things that I'm trying to do? And then how can I make it better? Yeah. A fair assessment. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, I think something, something interesting that you said there with regards to the social influences of other people and your living situation, your work situation. I think everybody is so different in terms of the way their life is set up. And I think sometimes like if if you take the average PT, for example, or the average person that's in the fitness, health, wellness industry, I think we tend to be in a bit of an echo chamber in terms of, you know, like say for example, when we're talking about just morning routines come into my head because that's uh, one of the things that uh, Gary, I think it was Gary posted about in the, in the Facebook group the other day or this morning. Um, and people talk about these like perfect morning routines, right? And yeah, like a perfect morning routine, it's, it's nice and having all these different things set up is, is great. But if you, as you said, if you're someone that's a DJ or, you know, you're a, uh, someone that works in a bar or you're a security guard, and this is especially going to be coming back now whenever we're hopefully out of restrictions on the 22nd of October, people are going to be kind of returning to these more nighttime-esque jobs. Then some of these habits that are related to like setting up a perfect morning routine are not necessarily that helpful for that type of an individual. And I think oftentimes when you, when, when you're speaking to say a personal trainer or somebody that's really big into bodybuilding, they're often trying to, to fit a square peg into a round hole. They're sort of, they're not taking a whole broad spectrum look at, okay, how is this person's lifestyle set up? What kind of a job do they have? Who, who do they be speaking to? Um, do they need to set boundaries with these people in, in a sense to, to set them up for success? And am I trying to force some of my own beliefs and own preconceptions on the way my lifestyle is set up on them? And is that actually going to be helpful or is that actually going to push them away from me and make the process of working with them and coaching with them more challenging? So, Yes, sir. Um, okay, my turn again. Um, this, this is kind of linked back to what, what we talked about and not checking in on, on so-called bad weeks, but, um, and like I said, there's a, a common theme running through all of mine here. So intentional misreporting, right? So maybe the person has checked in, but they haven't highlighted the areas where things may not have gone to plan. So for all intents and purposes for you as a coach, it all looks fine. You know, what is the problem with that? Yeah. So I suppose when it comes to, when it comes to the, the question of adherence and people trying to implement some of the, the habits or some of the guidelines that we have discussed with them. Um, you do obviously want them to be as detailed as possible, but when it comes to the check-in process, and this kind of kind of links into what we were talking earlier about people that don't check in at all, <laughs> and it's like you know over the bad week, 
um this is kind of like the next step over it's like Mm. as you said intentionally omitting certain information and i suppose like well, well first of all i think from a coach's perspective you need to create an environment where the client can be honest with you because if you're like even as i was saying there about you know certain PTs that are putting, trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole. If you create an environment with a client that says, I am not going to be happy if I hear that you have had a slice of pizza whenever I have told you that your cheat meal is on a Sunday night. If you, if you say that to them and like, they're like, holy fuck, I better not, uh, <laughs> I better not, uh, you know, do, I better do as I'm told here. And obviously, as we said earlier, Life is going to happen. Somebody's going to call over to your house on a Saturday night with a bottle of wine and a pizza and just be like, yo, do you want to like chill out? And you're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I will. Because it's a Saturday night and I want to enjoy myself or whatever it is. Um, but then if, if you're kind of afraid to actually tell that to your coach, that's massively problematic. So the first thing there would be um, if any coaches are listening to this, create an environment where the client can be honest with you. And that is done in a sense that it's it's done kind of from the moment you meet them um, in terms of you're not being that drill sergeant. Um, you're not being that drill sergeant in the sense that you're shouting at them and you're telling them what to do and that you need to do this and you need to do that. It becomes more a place of collaboration where the client kind of feels like they are as they are as much a part of the process or even more of the part of the process than you the coach are so that's that's the first thing is, is creating that um environment of honesty that the client can and 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 will uh, report to you um and, and check in with you uh, even if some of the the information is not necessarily um moving them towards the goals that they have set already so that's that's the first thing um and then I suppose when it comes to, because obviously, even if you do that, sometimes because of people's personalities and because of their beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, this, even if you have created that good environment and that environment where they feel like they can be honest to you, with you, they may still just be too afraid. They may, they might just be embarrassed about it. Right. And with that, then that's, that's up to us as coaches to have a little bit more, bit more curiosity, have a little bit more of an investigative approach and sort of saying, right, okay, what were some of the reasons potentially that um, led this client to omit a particular piece of information that they should have put in? Or if you can identify some pattern in, in in their week in terms of their their habits it's like okay i'm seeing uh you know the last couple of saturdays here you've only been tracking 1500 calories um whereas say the other days potentially you were you know during the week you were you were tracking 1800 calories and the entries in their my fitness pal were really clear and detailed whereas on a saturday a pattern has started has started to emerge where their their entries are a little bit you know, all over the place and the calories are lower. Whereas often you would find calories typically can be, can be higher on a Saturday. So it's kind of identifying, is there any patterns that's happening there with, um, with clients and can you bring a little bit of curiosity, a little bit more questioning into it to see kind of, okay, let's explore this a little bit further and try and get to the bottom of this 
but it also has to be not not done as a drill sergeant as i mentioned earlier you're kind of uh you're doing it with the client and you're making the client feel like you know this is this is an this is an environment of positivity and and honesty and that's that's really really key yeah yeah very well said very well said um at the end of the day you know it, it's a case of help us help you because that's what what's what we're hired for right um we're not hired to berate you and give you the proverbial kick in the ass. We are here to help you get to that endpoint that you're looking for um, and, you know, undergo a lot of change as a result. And it's not your job as a client to make us look good as a coach, which is, you know, that's what people get the impression, get that impression sometimes. And it's not their fault either because that is how some coaches operate. And it's like, you know, this coach, essentially their, their main concern is getting a good transformation, a good before and after photo, um, throughout this process. So, you know, if, if I'm deviating from the plan, I'm going to, I'm going to withhold that information because I don't want to be giving, I don't want to be given out to, as you said. Um, but like, it's like I said, it, it is not your job to make us look good, uh, you know, we, we obviously, you, know, you can tell by how this conversation has gone so far that we take a lot of responsibility in terms of success in this process, which is funny in a way because, you know, it is the client at the end of the day that does all the things that create the results. Um, but we are there to guide them. And like I said, it is, it is our job to help you succeed, not for you to just try and, and make us look good and like impress us week to week. Um, you know, we, we just want to see you do well. Uh, we're going to do our, our very best to, to make that happen. And obviously that requires like obviously commitment and, you know, you, it's not a, it's not a passive thing for the, for the client. I don't want people to get that impression. It's like, yes, mm. you have to work with us on the process. Um, but you have to let us help you as well. And if, if you're not being honest, then it's a lot less likely that we can help you. Mm. So Definitely. what, what have you got next, my man? Okay. Uh, let me see. Oops. I have hit the windows button by accident here. Um, okay. Um, give me your thoughts on long-term habit change versus the short-term blasts of fat loss that people do. Yeah. So any, any long lasting and meaningful change that like, you know, you sign up with a coach and you work with them for however many months and then you are essentially set for life. You know, that is a process of habit formation and education and understanding how and why the process works, why you're doing certain things. And that's what's going to give you the understanding of what you need to do just to get the results and then to maintain them. The short fat loss blasts will get you this almost transient fat loss because it rarely stays off unless people get into this cycle. Well, it doesn't stay off. So, you know, you may do a six week, fat loss blast and then because you have not learned anything and you haven't 
change your habits at all because it's such a brief period of time. So usually this looks like a complete overhaul of your lifestyle for a very brief period. And then you're back to what? You're back to what you were doing previously because in that situation, your two dynamics are, I'm in the six-week blast and I'm doing all the things in there that aren't really sustainable long-term, which is hence why I don't last six weeks, or I'm not doing that. And in which case, what are you doing? Okay, then you're essentially just doing the things that got you to the place you were in before you did the six-week fat loss blast. And that hasn't changed. So you need, like I said earlier on this uh, podcast, like you are essentially the sum of the things you do on a regular basis. And what you do for six weeks is not a regular basis. So it's looking at changing those, whatever they may be, you know, in whatever aspects of this whole process they may be. It could be your nutrition, it could be your sleep, it could be your activity levels, it could be your stress management, uh, it could be your relationship with food, any of those things or all of those things. Um, but that's what you need to work on. And, you know, this is you know a phrase we use a lot. You have to you have to act like the person you're trying to become, and do that long term, and create behaviors that support that, rather than having this fleeting glimpse of what it's like. And you know, and being that person doesn't even look anything like a six week blast because that is very far removed from what anyone does kind of most of the time. Again, hence why it's, it's a short period of time. So yes, those fat loss challenges and things work um because you know it's a, it's a kind of blanket low calorie diet and it's a lot of activity and a lot of training and yeah obviously that's going to work but like what what is you actually want you want that you want that to last right you don't want that to just pile back on because you don't have any actual behaviors in place that are going to maintain that for you so it's like you're going to put the weight back on and then and then do another six-week transformation that probably isn't how you want to live the rest of your life. So, um, you know, think, think about the longer game because in most cases, at least for the people that we work with, it's like people have, have done the shorter game and it hasn't got them anywhere. And the short game repeated over and over and over becomes a long game anyway, but it's no fun to play. Yeah, and it's like, it's so common in the fitness industry. It's almost like the six-week blasts and the transformations and all, like, obviously, if they're done, if they're done in a particular way, they have their place, you know, like a six-week, a six-week transformation program, if the particular coach speaks a lot about sustainable habits and you know you're doing this for this reason and you know maybe there's an element of flexibility and you know it's it's done in a more sustainable way and it's done potentially to move someone from zero to you know over to this next place where they feel a little bit more comfortable potentially in a gym environment or maybe eating a little bit better and then after that, they can move on to something a little bit more longer term. So there is absolutely a place if it's set up properly. Most of the time, though, they're not set up properly. They're set up shockingly bad, and they're all just geared towards how low can we get these people 
um, or how many calories can we, in terms of, can we get these people on as low a calorie as possible and just destroy them with exercise to get them stupid lean for, for a photo, right? Um, and I think, like, moving away from that is what's going to leave you in a much better place in the long term, as, 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 uh, as Brian said. Like, I think... You want to be thinking about the, the, the habits you implement today, um, particularly with regards to eating well and exercising and, and, and promoting sleep hygiene and developing a strong relationship with food. These are all things that I would like to think as a coach, like say, for example, I'm coaching Yen and we do all these different things. I would like to think that in 15 years, I'll meet you on the street and it's like, oh, well, how's it going? that you'll say to me, I am still doing the things that me and you discussed and implemented over our 12, 16, 24 week coaching period. And that, and that's massive. That's massive. Like mm. slamming somebody into a, onto a 1000 calorie deficit and getting them to do six sessions in the gym a week and a ridiculous amount of cardio and da, 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 da is not sustainable. You won't be talking about that in 15 years. You'll be thinking, look, I got, I got very lean, but I was fucking miserable, especially come, come the end of it. And you won't be talking about that in 15 years. But I would like to think that when it comes to sustainable habits and a lot of things that Brian said in 15 years, you're still doing them and you're still getting the plethora of benefits from doing so. Yeah. And one last point to add to this, I think should help people conceptualize it pretty well is, you know, how many of your favorite health, fitness, inspirations, influencers, et cetera, how many of them get to where they are by doing these rapid shreds or whatever you want to call them? How many of them get to where they are and stay that way by doing just like these six week challenges? They may, they may very well sell you those challenges, uh, which is another issue, I suppose, uh, where there's a lack of transparency. So maybe this is not abundantly clear to people who may be watching this stuff go out there online and things. But like, not, nobody is, is achieving the you know, physique that they want, essentially, and maintaining it by, by taking that approach. Um, so ask yourself, you know, what is, what is it that those people actually do to have those results? And like some of this is genetic for, for the people you're going to see with like hundreds and thousands of followers and or maybe more like, you know, they have obviously genetic propensity. Uh, they may, there may be drug use involved, you know, to help them keep, keep looking a certain way. You've talked about this before. I know uh, I don't want to labor on with this point, but just to, just as a, as a final way to, drive that home it's like you know do all do all your favorite fitness influencers etc just do these six-week challenges all the time to get to that look that you are using a six-week challenge to aim at yeah yeah and, and the same can be said for for a lot of the supplements that they sell um, like I done a video, uh, I was probably, it's probably like five or six weeks ago, but it was Simeon Panda selling the fat burners. And it's like, 
the real fat burner that you want to be getting that Simeon Panda is using is called clenbuterol, <laughs> not his uh, whatever you know whatever L-carnitine drink. It's just like no, no, you need the real supplements that he's on, not the <laughs> not the fat burner, <laughs> like you know. Um, so it's oh, uh, God. bit of bit of reality there is 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 important, like so for sure. Yeah, yeah, clan and all the rest, right? Um, yeah. All the boys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, well, don't don't take clan. Essentially, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. We, sure. we do not endorse such things. No. <laughs> no. Um, right. So uh, the last point that I'd written down, anyway, and this will kind of sum up the theme that's been running through my points is just this overall concept of communication. So I will set the scene for you. Do you know that you are going to look at your clients check in and they have filled in the bare minimum right so they may have you know given you the easy data points you know they've told you their their energy level was a, a seven out of ten or whatever um but there is nothing else there's no additional commentary there you can you can see potentially that certain things look amiss like you know maybe stress levels are a 10 out of 10 and maybe they've only reported on their food for like one day of the week. Um, which again, ties back to the, the previous point that I made, but why, what is the problem with that sort of thing for you as a coach? Well, I suppose the first thing that I would do is, as I was saying earlier, taking that curious approach and try and investigate things further right why did they write down 10 out of 10 stress why did you write down that your energy level was was uh a certain uh, 7 out of 10 or whatever it was and oftentimes you might need to ask why <laughs> a couple of times and you may need to phrase the question a little bit differently and Oftentimes, it, again, this depends on, on, on a certain personality type as well. Some people are just, you know, some, you know yourself, Brian, like there'll be certain clients that will write half a novel for you <laughs> at each of their check-ins. And there'll, there'll be some clients where it'll be mostly half one word answers, right? Um, and, and both are can be perfectly fine if that is conducive to what the client wants and if it's moving you to where you want to go and it's you know they're the client is happy with with how things are going but for me as a coach if i feel like number one the client is not happy and number two there is a lack of detail or there is a there's a lot of uh, potentially things are quite vague in the check-in i'll want to dig a little bit further and kind of see where their head's at and if they feel like certain things are potentially too challenging. Um, there is maybe too much on their plate at the moment. Generally, what we'll do is we'll have a discussion about maybe taking a little bit of a step back and working on the, mo the most important things that, that's, that's going to help them in the situation that they are in at this moment in time. So I always talk about working within the limits imposed on you by your life and your lifestyle, right? So an example of this would be maybe, let's say we, um, 
myself and a client, uh, we have a good consultation and we agree to track calories, for example. They, 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 like the, they love the idea of tracking calories, tracking their macros and being really numbers oriented. But after a few weeks go by and you know the check-in starts to become maybe the, there's less numbers and things start to look like they're stressing them out a little bit more. Well, then in that scenario, I would obviously investigate a little bit further. And maybe this client, as it so happens, they try out the calorie tracking and it is actually just something that's that's just adding to the stress of the situation for them. And they're like, I actually can't do this anymore. This is, this is, it's just an extra thing that I have to do. And to be totally honest with you, I actually find the whole process of like putting the numbers in and doing all this different types of, all these different types of things, very tedious. So we'd have a discussion about that. And then we might change the plan of attack slightly. We might adjust. Maybe we would, in some, in some client scenarios, we might not track as many things. We might just track the calories or we might just track protein or we might not track at all. We might move to a more portion control style of thing where they just focus on the specific portion control guidelines that we give them or just on some very simple habits. We can always kind of move things for, we can always move things back or forward should the situation require that. And the only way that you, you will be able to figure that out as a coach is if you investigate further and if you see on a, on a, on a client's uh, check-in that things are a bit vague or there's not a good enough definition or not, not a clear enough definition of how things are going, you need to try your best as a coach to get a clearer picture of what's going on and then talk to the client and see what adjustments could be made to make the situation more in line with their needs, their preferences, and their goals that they're trying to achieve. Yep. Very well said. Again, um, I'll just add very briefly that, like, the point I was getting at with this is, you know, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to have a pet peeve as a coach, it's maybe a couple of things, but they're, they're again, very much tied into this communication aspect. But if someone is, somewhat clearly struggling i say somewhat because in this context we're talking about like a lack of communication and data um so it's not like abundantly clear but you get a sense for these things um or, or you know maybe that you know their their feedback is extremely brief and negative but it doesn't tell you much about why that's the case and what went on and that's what you said you know you have to have the spirit of curiosity and kind of take them into a dialogue about that and actually try and uncover what's going on. But my, the pet peeves for me as a coach would be when someone is clearly struggling, but they don't talk, they're not talking about it. They're not, they're not giving me anything except that, Hey, I'm struggling. And obviously, yeah, that is where I step in and, and try and have this dialogue. Um, which leads me to my next point is that, you know, if I am asking someone questions, you know, maybe this is an email dialogue or something, I'm asking somebody questions about this and they don't respond to them. That is my, uh, my biggest pet peeve. And sometimes stuff gets lost in translation, but you know, you may, I look, I understand how this works. You know, people don't want to uh, talk about certain things at certain times. So I'm not, I don't necessarily 
demand answers. Again, you get a sense for this stuff where it's kind of obvious that someone has ignored a certain line of questioning. Um, so, you know, you park that, depending on the situation. Again, this is all very context dependent. Um, but you might park that for another day. But yeah, I, I, I don't like to have my you know, coaching related questions go unanswered um, because that, again, come back, comes back to this point where it makes it very difficult for me to help you if, uh, mm-hmm. I, if I can't get this, I can't get a sense of what's going on, what the limiting factors are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and, and we make that super clear from, from the offset. Uh, you know, if someone's listening to this and they, they decide to sign up with us, that is one of, if not the most important thing when it comes to setting a client up and getting them on the path is the feedback and the communication. And that's why we have several different modes of communication. That's why we encourage clients to tell us about their problems. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There is, you know, they have full reign in terms of they should be able to communicate with us and not feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask him that, Osha. That's a silly question. It's like, no, we, we want to create this environment where there's lots of communication because I am yet to see a client communicate with me fully and at the end of their 12, 16 week block or whatever it is, not have at least some positive outcomes. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, the very few poorer outcomes that I have seen over my years have always come as a result of a client not providing with enough, providing me with enough feedback or not communicating with me enough. And obviously we, we try our best to, to help clients along and, and, and as I say, create that environment where they feel comfortable to communicate with us and, and all the rest of it. And that's what we encourage. But sometimes it's just, you know, people, for whatever reason, they, they, they don't, they, de- they decide to not answer questions. They don't answer emails, they, whatever it is. And that's kind of where you're not, you're not, as we say, you're not getting the value out of the coaching because that's, mm. it's, as I said, in a post, in a post recently enough, it's coaching is not about PDFs and it's not about, it's not about trackers and guidebooks and it's not about, you know, technology. It's about having a chat with your coach in all the different variations of forms of communication throughout the week. And especially obviously when we're, when we're talking about the big check-in at the end of the week, and that is where the value is in. It's that dialogue as, as we've talked about kind of throughout the whole podcast. And that's kind of where the, the real meat and potatoes of coaching is. And that's where the value is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would echo your sentiments on that in terms of the experience with, with people who maybe don't do so well, it's, it's usually a strong correlation with not engaging because I suppose that, that qualifies as a lack of engagement with the process. Like, you know, people are aware of what they're, what they're getting in for and you, you're signed up to be coach and have someone in your corner who's going to help you and guide you and talk to you on a, a weekly if not more frequent basis um, to make sure you're on the path and you're, you're heading towards the results that, that you want. Um, and for, for the people who don't engage in that, in that kind of sense, um, they are the ones who have more difficulty and, and probably don't get the outcome that they're looking for. Now, of course, as you said earlier, you know, some clients will write you half a novel and some will 
give you a few lines and both are perfectly appropriate um but it's if the person writing a few lines is is you know if that person is is getting on well like that check-in i mentioned already that i had today it's like not much to say like it's a, a rinse and repeat because everything is going as it should like in that context I'm not expecting someone to just kind of talk and talk and talk for the sake of it that's not at all the case but it's if if things are not going well or smoothly however you want to put it then that's where there needs to be more problem solving and troubleshooting and trying to figure this stuff out um definitely so uh, we're coming up on an hour here so maybe we should do one more do you want to pick your juiciest uh the juiciest one of whatever ones you have left um mm. you've quite a few left uh if you had eight uh but yeah what what you want to what you want to wrap up on uh, from your list um so uh i have two here that two directions we could go in um and i'll say them both to you and then you can pick one if you want yeah sure i'll do that so yeah. uh this one's kind of a bit more sciencey but we'll not We'll not kind of go into the into the weeds of it too much in case we put somebody to sleep. Um, but it's just about the trans theoretical model of change and how ready p- certain people are to change. So that's option one. And then the, the, the other option then is developing a client's sense of autonomy or being able to do things for themselves and competence around their their nutrition and their behavior change. So you pick whatever one you want to go for. Hmm. Decisions, decisions. Um. Let's. Yeah. Like the yeah the trans the trans theoretical model is definitely the juicier of the two, I think, and probably fits best into the conversation. And it's it brings up quite an important point. I don't know if we can. Uh, well, we'll have to do it succinctly because uh, I have to go soon. But mm-hmm. um. Yeah. Let's go with that. So you mentioned like a readiness for change right and yeah this is a very this is a very important consideration because it's not often it's not always something that people have considered in terms of where they're at mentally where their life is at like i would very be very much of the opinion that you can always start and you can always do something okay but you may not be able to do as much as again, so we'll talk about the start. You may not be able to do as much as you think you need to do. Um, but you also may not be able to do as much as maybe you need to do because, you know, the level of results that you get is obviously the output is determined by the inputs to some extent. And while I really don't like this idea of like there being, I'm going to wait for, you know, a, a perfect time to start this. You know, genuinely, there are obviously going to be worse times than others to to go about making a change. So there are certain questions you have to ask yourself about your readiness for change. I think, you know, a big part of this is, you know, why you want to change in the, per- in the first place and having clarity on that. And that's something that obviously we, we help people with um, in the process. And, and we try and make sure that, like, before we get, 
too deep into the coaching process that we've, we've got a lot of this stuff figured out, but um, yeah. Why, why don't you uh, elaborate on, on what you wanted to, to, to talk about in this context? Mm. Yeah. So I suppose it's like, so what the, what the trans theoretical model of change is, it's just a fancy term for where, how a lot, how far along are you in terms of a, a step-by-step process or how far along are you ready to make a particular change? And this can be a habit change, a change to your lifestyle, um, big or small, you know, this, this can be something as, as, as large as, as moving to a different country or, or getting a mortgage for a house, or it could be something as small as drinking some more water. Right. But I think, when it comes to helping people change and even like whenever you're having a conversation with say a relative about um, the importance of the, the importance of say eating a little bit better or exercising or whatever. If a person is not far enough, far enough along on that ladder, shall we say, shall we call it, they are just not going to respond whatsoever, you know, because it's it's all well and good saying to your mommy, mom, what the fuck are you doing? Like eating that chocolate and, and drinking that wine. Like I have told you that you need to stop eating that and that you need to eat more veg and that you need to exercise. Mommy is like, she's thinking, you know, if she's nice, she'll be like, oh, I know what you mean. And if she's not so nice, she'll tell you where to go. She'll tell you to do one, right? Um, so... Um, and, and I think it's important because either if you're thinking of a change yourself or if you are trying to encourage someone um, to change, it's very, very important to be relatively clear on, on where you are on that scale and how ready you are to make a change. And as Brian said earlier on, it is, it is a lot to do with kind of how your, your environment is set up, how your lifestyle is set up. Um, is it actually realistic for you to make the change yet? Um, but of course, obviously, we, we have to consider things like the importance of the change. Why is the change important for you? You know, is it is it coming from a place of negativity? Is it coming from a place of positivity? And being very clear on, on, on this. And Simon Sinek talks about, he has a book called What Is Your Why? Being very clear on your why and how that will then influence um your readiness to change and, and that's very very important so this this is a this is a consideration for anyone that's looking to make a bigger or small change in their life and also if you're if you're having a discussion um with someone else about making a change or making a decision as well so yeah all right then um yeah no it is an important factor and i think people assume they're always far along on that scale which is often the case you know if you've gotten to the point where you're thinking of signing up for coaching or you know to up the rungs of the ladder to use that analogy that, uh, that you were going with but uh it's not you may not be as far along as you think you are in some cases and you may not be super clear on your priorities and values and your goals at the time and how that may interact with coaching. But um, that is something, like I said, that we, we tend to work with people on anyway. Uh, we tend to figure that stuff out and 
you know, make sure that you're essentially on, on the right path. And, you know, you, you may not be as far along on that ladder as you think you are, but you're obviously on there to some degree. And that's what we'll, what we'll work with. So we'll figure out where you are exactly. Um, and then just take it from there. And that's, you know, one of the foundational principles of, of having a coach is that like, you have to start where the person is at, um, not where they are like hypothetically, you know, a few months down the line and then you have to, you know, bridge that gap. So, um, I think we'll leave it there unless you have anything else you would like to add my man. No, no, I think, um, well, I suppose actually just, just to wrap it up on that question of the, um, the, the readiness for change, a very helpful exercise is, um, just kind of writing down your goals and, even just sort of being realistic with yourself, why do you want to achieve these goals? And then sort of rating your, your, the importance of these goals and the reasons behind them on a scale of one to 10. That's something that, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that we do with clients. Um, and typically speaking, if the, if the number is quite low on that level of importance, that means that you're probably not that ready for change. And oftentimes it's like, it can be, the idea of a change or the idea of a result is more attractive than actually, oh, I actually have to go and buy vegetables and cook them and stick them in my body now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> so sometimes it's the idea of change can be more attractive than than actually doing it, right? So just but yeah. being being super clear on that. But yeah, I think that will do it. Um, Brian, if somebody was thinking to themselves, this all sounds lovely and I would like to get involved in this mm. coaching process. What might this individual do? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have liked what you've heard or you've, you are liking what you hear on a consistent basis from myself and Dean and the other members of Triage Method, um, you can go to triagemethod.com. All right. There's uh, sections there for online coaching and online nutrition coaching, which is what myself and Dean are heavily involved with. Um, so you can find out a lot of further information about the process there. You can read lots of testimonials uh, from people who have, you know, essentially walked the path and have gotten to where, where they want to be. You can uh, book in a call there also. And, uh, you know, if you, if you decide like, hey, this, this seems like a step I want to take, you can book in a call We'll do a little consultation, um, you know, outline the process, what you need, make sure that we actually are right for the job. And then, uh, you know, we can get stuck in. So, yeah, triagemethod.com. Um, absolutely follow us on social media, mostly Instagram, um, but triage method on Instagram. Follow myself, Brian O'Hengisa. Uh, follow Dean, uh, Dean McAloon. And uh, the rest of the coaches, uh, which you can see on the triage page. And look, we're all putting out lots of content individually and as a team. Um, so th- there's lots there, lots of free stuff there to be getting on with. You know, obviously this podcast is a good example. The triage method podcast is a good example. And um, so there, there's tons there uh, to learn from and to take value from. And, you know, like I said, if you want to take that next step, uh, really get this stuff nailed for life then, you know, check out the, the coaching options um, on the website or the, the links in any of our Instagram bios will take you there. Lots of testimonials on, uh, on the social media as well that you, can, that you can take a look through to essentially make sure that, hey, that sounds good to me. I want some of that. Let's go.
yeah and we would be very happy to have you guys on board um we have coaching spaces available and yeah i think that will do it for this one brian unless you have anything else to add no that is it my man let's uh let's wrap it up and uh, leave it there sweet well guys thank you as always for tuning in and as i say follow us on on socials if you have any further questions you you are uh, we are more than happy to to um have a chat with you in the dms if you have any specific questions with regards to coaching or with regards to anything related to nutrition behavior change or anything we talked about in this podcast we are also very receptive to any further ideas that you might have around uh, podcast episodes as well where we're very happy to take those on board as well but i'm going to leave it there brian have you anything else are you happy enough with that i am ecstatic with that you know uh good chat as always and uh until next time all right guys take it easy chatty soon